Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. As our regular listeners know by now, I'm not Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm his brother. <laughs> I'm a writer. I ask him questions. He provides me with healthy answers. Thank you, Matthew. Say hello. Hello. Before we get into the episode, just a reminder, we have many ways you can support the podcast. You can, of course, just do what you're doing now. Listen. You can subscribe. You can watch us on YouTube. You can also go to stilltbd.fm. There's a link on that page that allows you to throw coins at our head. You can also support us directly through YouTube, through the, I would like to say, I know what the name of the button is. Matthew, do you want to remind me what the name of the button is? <laughs> on YouTube, it's join. I think it's join. join. That's right. Yes. yes. Join us. How could I yes. forget that? <laughs> I kept thinking it can't be help <laughs> it probably isn't member but there, hmm. there's a button <laughs> what could it possibly be i guess that's a sign of where i am right now halloween brain yes yes <laughs> our viewers and or listeners will be checking this out post halloween so I'll just take this opportunity to say I hope everybody had a healthy and happy one. And if anybody has any tech-related costumes that they or their children have been <laughs> adorning during this holiday, please share those photos. Put a link in the comments. I'd love We'd to see love somebody to see in a solar, solar panel costume. <laughs> a solar panel child, a windmill, a windmill family. Today we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent episode which is why rust batteries may be the future of energy, iron air battery technology. This dropped on October 26, 2021. And right out of the gate, this broke my brain. <laughs> why? <laughs> it just, the idea of it, I'm, I find myself wrestling with where is the energy in this? So All I'd right. like to take a, a big step into that territory right off the bat. Like what, where is the energy getting into this equation? You have iron and it yes. oxidizes. Is yes. it the oxidant oxys? Wow. It's called the name of the button. And I don't yeah. know how to say oxidization. <laughs> We're off to yeah, a great start here. Yeah. It's called a, a redox reaction that, is basically gener generating the energy in this kind of thing. So it's the, uh, the flow of ions is what creates the electricity. And so this reaction moves those ions in a certain way so that you end up can collect that energy from that chemical reaction process. So it's the bond between the iron and the oxygen is where the energy is stored. And then the breaking of that bond releases the ions. Correct. Okay. In, in a very broad nutshell. Yes. Okay. Like this, I'm with you, Sean, like this is, I am not an engineer, <laughs> so right. like this stuff is above me, but it's like, I've been talking about redox flow batteries, like, uh, vanadium flow batteries, which use a similar redox reaction to, for their energy and, um, uh, aluminum air batteries are very similar to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is iron air batteries. So it's like, there's, they're all kind of like of a same style of battery system. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this one is just. Using rust, the rusting cycle is what makes this work, which is yeah. bananas. 
somebody somewhere, and you mentioned that the technology here first percolated up in NASA. Mm-hmm. So somebody back in the 60s just knew there was energy to be had in this mm-hmm. reaction. Because effectively, rusting iron is a chemical reaction. We don't Mm -hmm. think of that as the case because I think probably because it's so slow and it's so every day. Right. But this is no different than the reactions that are going on inside a battery that you buy from Duracell where you've got two chemicals. One is a metal, one is an acid, and they're sitting on each other and that results in ions spewing out. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening here. So Hats off to NASA scientists. Good job. <laughs> yep. It in the comments, I wanted to start off on the latest note possible, which is from Project 337, who wrote, Has anyone calculated the energy density of your puns, Matt? Dad jokes could also be a completely overlooked source of cheap and infinitely renewable energy. I think that that's very true. Yes. <laughs> Moving on into the actual subject of the video bill r wrote my honda 77 accord would have made a great source for an iron air battery i could practically hear it rusting away while it was just (laughs) sitting in my garage as i recall honda paid to replace and repaint the front fenders two times in the four years i owned the car that's awesome yeah bill i didn't own a car in the 70s but 70s cars do have that special magic of how is this being held together? I remember in the eighties when I was becoming a driver myself, seeing friends with older cars that largely looked like jalopies kind of going to pocket, the pocket, the pocket into the (laughs) high school parking lot being held together with love and a prayer. Yeah. (laughs) So there was some consternation at one point in your video. Mm -hmm. And I noticed you responded to a comment about the confusion Mm -hmm. around the price per is it megawatt per hour megawatt hours yeah there's um, there was a point where it seemed to be that you were saying the lithium ion is $245 for megawatt hour per megawatt hour yes per megawatt hour and then there was the, a $20 number and and it raised confusion so i was yes. hoping you could step back into that subject and talk a little bit about that confusion you did provide a clarification, but for anybody who's just listening to this, I want them to be able to pick up on that as well. Yeah, this is on me. This is my badge because I was throwing these different numbers out and people assumed they were being coming, they were coming from the same calculation and they were not. So the first number I brought up, which was the $245 per megawatt hour for lithium ion storage systems is using something that's called the levelized cost of energy, LCOE. And there's a very common way that that's calculated out. And it's taking the entire life cycle of building the plant, how much storage it has, how much it can generate. It's like, it's the whole, the whole thing. That's that $245. Not only start to finish of the battery itself, but start to finish of what has to make the battery. Correct. It's taking everything into account. The next number that I brought up, that $25, that calculation is coming from the company as to like the cost of manufacturing the battery. Okay. That is not the cost of the entire facility and That's the a very whole life yeah. cycle and levelized cost of energy. That was not an LCOE number. So it's like, that's why they're so different. And mm-hmm. I didn't clarify that in the video. And so that's, that's on, that's my bad for not 
being a good communicator there. <laughs> so I could have done better with explaining that. Uh, and it did cause a lot of confusion in the comments. If you were to either bring the first number into the equations of the second one or the opposite, where do they line up with each other? I, I didn't. I, I can't because I don't have none of these facilities have been built out yet. And I couldn't right. find any we couldn't find in the research. Uh, uh, we couldn't find any information that would be able to give you an, a true apples to apples number between the two because it's still so new. But those kind of numbers will eventually show up. But for right now, we were providing the information that we had access to. And but I could have clarified this is not an LCOE number. I could have very easily described that in the video. But the second number is the, as you said, it's the cost per kilowatt hour for manufacturing just the battery. It's the cost. Yeah. Here, here's the battery. Here's what this battery costs. What is that for the lithium ion? Oh, that's, that's going to be very different. Um, depends on who's making it, but it's like right now you'd be looking at a hundred and some, some dollars, like maybe a hundred bucks, right. 130 bucks, something like so that. So if the perspective manufacturer of the iron air battery is accurate it would be cheaper oh yes no no no. this is this is hands down going to be cheaper and that's one of the big benefits of it is that uh you can build even though they're much larger and heavier than like a lithium-ion battery these are not meant for your car these are meant for grid energy storage systems right. and when you're talking about just building a big facility just take up a little more space and it's so dirt cheap it's gonna be so cheap to do this and they're so robust and have a very good life cycle that it's going to be w money well spent for massive amounts of energy storage. Mm -hmm. There was another comment. This one was from Ethereal90 who wrote, mm -hmm. I saw a prior video about these, quote, batteries. Seems that they work best at about 250 degrees Celsius. So energy required to get to that temperature and maintain as well as needs to be considered as well. So was that something that you had seen uh, regarding temperature, You uh, the best temperature for these things to work? I didn't find anything specific on that for Form Energy specifically, which was the company I was kind of focusing on in the video. You've talked about the aluminum air, and you mm -hmm. also mentioned zinc air batteries yep. here. And those are... Okay, I'm going to now dance forward as if I know what I'm talking about. And the moment I don't, just yank back on my leash and I'll stop. Okay. That's, that is oxidization as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's interesting that it is oxidization when to my just, you know, Sean, you know, walking around the supermarket, taking milk off the shelf, doop -a -doop -a -doo, having a great day. I don't think of those as metals that oxidize. Right. They oxidize in a different way. Obviously, they don't create rust, but I guess there's discoloration. There's a reaction taking place. Mm -hmm. Do they oxidize in a way that provides less energy? Is the rust of the iron air a a stronger chemical reaction than zinc or aluminum, or is it all kind of comparable? It just has to do with the appearance just isn't the same. You're getting into territory. I can't completely answer, but like for aluminum air batteries, the oxidation process, it doesn't produce like rust. It's producing, um, I can't remember what it is. It creates this powder. 
that yeah. basically collects in the battery. Okay. And that's one of the downsides of aluminum air batteries is that powder then can clog the whole system and make it stop working. <laughs> okay. So it's like there's it creates a buffer one is, almost in the reaction area. Right. Okay. Right. So where like iron air batteries, it's rusting. Aluminum air batteries does something slightly different. So what what comes out of that reaction varies battery to battery based on the chemistry of the materials being used. And for the iron air, you said it's pellets. It's basically, it's almost like ball bearings. Yeah. For the zinc, it looks like you said it's almost like sand. Yes. It's much smaller. So is that it? Do you know, is that completely about surface area? Is there something about the, the ability to use a larger or smaller is based on having to create a certain amount of surface area to allow reactions to take place at the right rate? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be. I'm not sure though. It creates a question for me about where you talk about the potential for peak power plant replacement. Wow. That was a lot harder to say than I thought it would be when I started that (laughs) sentence. Thank you listeners for hanging on through that. That was a wild ride for me. Peak power plants are those plants that basically just run in the background to help at certain times to kick in. They don't run constantly. Correct. Basically, yes. They're ramping up and down very quickly based on energy needs. Right. And historically, is that a place where we've used nuclear power or is that a place where we've used water? Like what typically, you mentioned New York State's peak usage plants. Um, Typically, typically you you didn't describe what kind of, of resource that was. Typically, nuclear would be a base load plant because they don't scale up and scale down quickly. It's more of a slow roll. Um, mm-hmm. to get it going. So that's base level for peaker plants. You typically have natural gas and coal. Those are two of the most common ways because they can s- ramp up and ramp down very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so for New York state, you're talking mainly, I think it's mainly natural gas at this point for New York state. I don't think they have a lot of coal left. I would be very surprised if they did. Yeah. Yeah. It's only this, it's the Southern states here in the U S are the ones that still have a lot of coal going on, but the, the Northeast has ma- mainly moved to natural gas. So the replacement is about storing energy that is not being used in certain lower use times. So if you had a field that was solar panels or if you had a a wind turbine uh, energy production facility, that is going to be trying to wrap my head around where this fits into the life cycle of energy. You've got your main energy being produced by maybe a nuclear power plant, and there's also some wind turbines going. Is the iron air battery storage facility taking energy from those, or is it generating energy through the rust cycle, the rust oh, no. life cycle? It's it's taking it from the renewable energy sources. So the wind turbine facilities and the solar panel farms the energy that's not currently being used by the grid, that excess would be f- going into the iron air battery and storing it for later use. And because of via deoxidization of correct. the, of the metal. So the correct. energy that's going in there is breaking the, the rust. rust apart. Yes. Reconverting it to, I'm going to call it clean iron as opposed to rusted iron. Right. Okay. It's not intuitive. No, it sounds, <laughs> yes, it sounds almost like alchemy. 
<laughs> it kind of is. It, it is a weird kind of alchemy of saying like, oh, you've got this thing. And if you let it sit there, it will break down and turn into this other thing. And then, you know, woe is the fate of man as time carries on. But look, if we do this, we can roll <laughs> back the clock and, and take these nuggets of iron back to how they were. And then magically get energy out of that. Right. Seems like. So you show, show somebody that and you're like, witch, you're yeah. a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to say it. We've had this conversation. I've watched your video. I know it's science-based, but I am ready to dunk somebody in the water and see if they float. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm picturing taking a whole bunch of scientists out of a room. They're like, what's going on? <laughs> We're going to dunk you. What do you mean, witch? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting theory. It will be fascinating to see where it lands. If you were to, I've asked you this question in other videos. If you were a betting man and you were to put money on mm -hmm. the various things that you see in your, your research, do you see this as an also ran or do you see this as, okay, there's definitely a place for this. Do you think maybe it's too young at this stage okay. to catch up with all the different myriad of other options? Or do you think that there's a cost point that could make this so cheap that regardless of how new it might be, that it could 50 years from now have a place in the landscape? So, so do not take what I'm about to say as financial advice for investing into companies or stocks. Mm -hmm. But I do think companies like Form Energy and this type of technology like Iron Air Batteries absolutely has a place. I don't think it's going to be an also-ran because there's we have so much need for this kind of storage system that I don't think there's going to be one winner here. We're going to have half a dozen technologies that are going to be used all over the country and the world for different things. Um, another another type of uh, storage technology I'm really bullish on is liquid air energy storage. I talked about a company that does this as well because it uses existing natural gas like storage storage systems that, yeah. that already exist today. We already manufacture them. So it's like really cheap to manufacture these plants. It's using skill sets of people that already know how to do natural gas and it's just transitioning it into air energy storage. So there's skill sets transferring. There's... Uh, machine knowledge transferring and there's the same thing here where it's even though it's a new new a new technology for storage it has the potential to be so cheap that it's like just from a cost point of view there's gonna be people investing in this big time and in building out these facilities because cheap energy storage is what's gonna ultimately win out but i don't think there's one technology that's gonna necessarily just take the world by storm it's gonna be a collection of five or six different technologies and i think this is one that has a strong chance Right. of being part of that mix. I think it's interesting when you look historically at technology, it largely is filled with the one thing that suddenly mm -hmm. pushed things forward in dramatic leaps. Wind power on the ocean, replacing mm -hmm. ships with oars and people being able to sail across the Atlantic, sail around the world, cross the Pacific with nothing but a sail. And then the steam engine suddenly 
that becomes, if you don't have a steam engine on your boat, what are you doing? Cause you're now no longer beholden to the wind or horsepower being replaced by steam engine, steam engines mm-hmm. being replaced by combustion engines. Like, and we tend to think of it as an evolutionary, this gobbled up that this gobbled up that, but when you stop and you take a step back, you can see that that story isn't actually fully accurate. That wind sails did not go away because of the invention of the steam engine. That trains didn't go away because cars were developed. Yep. And I think it's very easy, especially when you have pop culture saying things like, we live in the atomic age now. Like, (laughs) as if that is like, if you were to say to somebody, you, you live in the atomic age, what does that mean to you? And their house lights come on, they run their oven, which is natural gas and their things in their refrigerator are still cold. They wouldn't necessarily say, Oh, it's because I've got a nuclear power plant down the road. They may not even know where their energy comes from. They just know the lights come on. Yep. And so your description of it being a, you hold a lot of cards in your hand and you don't necessarily know which one might be the Trump card yet. And you may never know that it just is important to know that you've got all your bases covered and that you've got a, an assortment of options. They all have their different strengths and weaknesses. And so you're using the right tool for the right job. It's like lithium ion batteries are, it's in my iPad, my iPhone, it's in my car. So it's like, that's the perfect use case for a lithium ion battery, but for massive installations for grid storage, lithium ion is really not the current solution to do that. It's too expensive. Um, it's too resource intensive to make for the scale we need and the cost does not scale. So there's technologies like liquid air energy storage and iron air batteries and and vanadium flow batteries. Those kind of technologies are the ones that are filling in that gap of they're, they're awful for compact energy storage, but they're great because they're so cheap and large that you can use them for grid. So it's, it's just use the right tool for the right job. And there's going to be many different mixes of what we're going to be using. And every person I've ever talked to and that makes technologies like this, they all say the same thing of, we don't see ourselves as a competitor to lithium ion. We see ourselves complementary to lithium ion. So you could have a lithium ion battery facility right next door to an iron air facility. And the lithium ion is doing the really quick triage of delivering millisecond flow for managing micro transactions of energy. And then you've got the, the iron air battery doing the, like the long haul two days worth of energy, just like a baseload plant, like a nuclear plant. It's just there for the, the long haul where the lithium ion there is there for the, like a peaker plant. So it's right. like, there's different combinations of things that you can do. I would like to see the day when this technology has moved forward to the point where there are iron air batteries available for, you know, they're being produced, they're being used. And there's that one person who decides that they're going to hack an iPhone. So it works off of an iron air battery. <laughs> I would just like to see it's be this big thing, like this. this gigantic, yeah, this gigantic thing that looks like an old Motorola cell phone attached yeah. to an iPhone. And it only works for about 10 minutes because yeah. it's an iron it's air not phone built for that. Yeah. <laughs> and it weighs about 60 pounds. Yep. So listeners, let us know what you think about all this. This is a another in a long line of videos from Matt, which is about tech that is super hard to wrap your head around, 
and where it's intended to be used is to fill in the gaps between all these other things. It's a fascinating myriad of, I don't fully know how nuclear fission works, but I have a better mm-hmm. understanding of what's going on in a nuclear fission reactor than I do with what's going on in this rusty <laughs> bag <laughs> of metal pellets. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Are you like me? Are you wondering, I've got that rusty bench in my backyard. Where do I put the electrodes and how do I plug it in? <laughs> Let us know. You can find our contact information in the podcast description. Please remember to subscribe when you're looking for that. You can also scroll directly beneath this video of our lovely faces if you're on YouTube and you can leave a comment there and you can hit the support the podcast link, which is the join button. We'll all remember that for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Please be sure to give us a rating, a review and share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew and then Matthew tries to drown me as a witch. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.